Three weeks have been a little difficult for me uh, with the series, uh, The Hole in Our Gospel. Um, and it's been compounded in some ways with what's going on in the world, with the crisis in North Korea and South Korea kind of erupting this past week. And, uh, you know, on and on and on, the woes of the world just seem to continue to mount, don't they? Um, and it seems every time we turn on the TV, open the newspaper, it's almost always some kind of bad news. When did it become that bad news was the only news worth reporting? Um, but it seems that there's just bad news after bad news after bad news. The only bright news, it seems lately, is that Americans went out and spent a little bit more this Black Friday than last Black Friday. So that's good news because the American economy, as, as I learned yesterday, 70% of our economy is driven by consumption. And so whenever we go out and buy more stuff, that's a good thing for our economy. Uh, but it just seems that thing after thing I've read has been bad news. Uh, and then on top of it, the Eagles lose yesterday. And so I felt like we just need a pick-me-up sermon today, don't we? <laughs> Get the two-by-four, two, two stick it back in the woodshed, Steve, and just kind of, you know, speak to us some hope and encouragement. And, and really, I hope that all along you've been encouraged in some way. Uh, last week, as I was processing what I shared with you all, uh, Marnie came to me and she's like, you need to let people know what to do. <laughs> and uh, I said, OK, uh, perhaps I do. And and I've also kind of played with that. I think partly what I need to do also is to give you more why and not wise as in there's lots of starving, hungry kids and people out there, blah, 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 blah. But more. Uh, why is it important to God? Why should it be important to us? And then what to do about it? You've heard me say before that I'm convinced that Christianity, the way of Jesus, that following Christ is the best way to live. And I'm absolutely, totally convinced of that most of the time. <laughs> you see, I, I, before I was a pastor, I was a human, right? And I'm still human. I'm still human. And there are days, take for instance, yesterday. I am ashamed to admit this, but I was depressed yesterday, even before I learned about the problems in Ray, Colorado. I was depressed yesterday because I was comparing myself to somebody. Does anybody ever have this button pressed when they are around their family? This button of comparison? Uh... I didn't get into ministry to make money. <laughs> Nobody does, unless they're a televangelist, I'm convinced. That was a low blow, but it was fun to say. Uh, most people don't get in ministry thinking, I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to be successful. Uh, and it's interesting because when I go home, I, I kind of end up doing that comparison game with my siblings. And there are times where I look and go, man, they've just really done well for themselves. And you see pictures of their family on vacations and doing all these things and fancy new cars and blah, 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 and on and on and on. And it's easy to get sucked in and go, man, God, how come I don't have a nice new car? I mean, those Lexus commercials, 
and I'm giving hints left and right to my wife and kids, and they don't seem to be getting it. And I don't know about you, but there are times where it seems that this Christian thing, this following Jesus thing, this following after Christ doesn't seem sometimes like the best way to live. I mean, after all, wouldn't it be easier just to not pay attention to the problems of the world? Wouldn't it be easier just to go, ah, those kids that are starving, somebody else's problem. Oh, the world water crisis, not my problem. Because I have water. And I want to just do what I want to do when I want to do it. And honestly, I live most of my life that way. I live most of my life going, what does Steve want to do today? <laughs> I'm going to do what Steve wants to do today. I mean, if we're all really, truly honest, I'm, I'm exercising a tad bit of uh, vulnerability here in front of you all. We all probably go at some level, I'm going to do what I want to do today. Yesterday at Walmart, they had amazing deals on televisions and ours still has not died. I do, however, have some bricks and rocks and children that would throw them in the house if I asked them to and encourage them. Don't do that. My wife will be mad. Uh, The TV hasn't died, but they've got great deals on television. So my resolve is kind of waning a little bit. Maybe it's time to buy a television. If you weren't here last week, I have decided that we can't buy a new fancy television until our current one dies. And it's 20 plus years old, so I'm hoping the end is near. Uh, They also had... Blu-ray DVD players for really good deals. And, you know, latest, greatest. It must be better than what we got. So I need that, right? And my resolve was challenged walking through Walmart. And I was already a little depressed anyways because I was comparing myself to other people. And all this kind of compounded yesterday, and it was ugly. If there was videotape at Walmart, there is, by the way, but hopefully it's not online. (laughs) You would see my wife and I kind of, and I was, it was just, yeah, right? And there are times that it feels like this whole following Jesus thing and the best way to live thing just doesn't feel like that's true. And so what I want to do today is go to some words that Jesus himself, himself spoke. And I want us to wrestle with, is this really the best way to live? And, and figure out, is he onto something here? And if he's on to something, if if this is really true, and in our heart of hearts, if we can put aside our, oh, woe is me stuff, and put aside our comparing ourselves to other, and put aside our selfish nature, and if we really can see that this is the best way to live, what do we do about that? So, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus hit it out of the park in this passage. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Some have named it the Sermon on the Amount because he talks about cash a lot in this sermon. But it's the Sermon of on the Mount, and he gave it on a mount. So, you know, picture he's on top of that hill near Powell Field, right? And he's up on top of there, and everybody's down below, and he's speaking to the masses. And uh, Jesus has a lot of interesting things, and we're going to look at chapter 6, starting in verse 25, and uh, go from there. These words are so important for me to hear today in light of what I shared with you yesterday. Therefore, I tell you, Steve, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. 
Does anybody need to hear that? Yeah. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Plus our bird feeder at our house. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? All right, group exercise. Let's try that, shall we? One more hour, Jesus. Just one more. I don't think it's going to work. Do you? How about short people? One more inch, Jesus. One more inch. How about tall people? A little shorter, Jesus. A little shorter. I mean, it doesn't work to worry, does it? And yet we spend so much time worrying. It's like Jesus is really, really smart. And he's really on to something here, isn't it? Who of you can add an extra hour to your life by worrying? The implied answer, nobody can. And why do you worry about clothes? Obviously, I don't do much of my wearing in that area. See how the flowers, <laughs> my wife will attest to that. I almost wore the same shirt I wore last Sunday. And she in her dreary stupor told me, hey, that you wore that last week. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that's an important word there in this passage, for the pagans, who are the pagans? They're the people who don't follow Jesus. They're the people far from God. They're the people that are all about their kingdom. And that's important because Jesus is about to do something here really interesting. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Has anybody ever memorized that verse I just quoted? But seek first his kingdom. There's a little song in there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Yeah. I, that's my churchy voice. Uh, I learned that when I was a little kid, King James version, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And yet how often do I not do that? How often do you find that to be a struggle to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will work out. Seems to me that I'm always worried about the other things. And if I can sneak some of God's kingdom in, <laughs> that's really awesome. Perhaps you've heard of Stephen Covey, and Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the things, one of the illustrations that Covey often does at his seminars is he takes a glass jar, a big, huge glass jar, and he has a bunch of rocks, and he has a bunch of pebbles, and he has a water pitcher. And he says... Do you think all this stuff will fit into this glass jar? And people are like, no, man, there's too much stuff to stick into the glass jar. And he then starts talking. And as he's talking, he's putting in the big rocks. He's putting all these big rocks into this glass jar. And those represent the big things of your life. These big rocks. And then he takes the pebbles 
and he pours them in and they fill in all the crevices around the big rocks. And then he says, do you think it's full? And people are like, oh yeah, it's totally full. And then he takes the pitcher of water and he pours it in and it fills in all the cracks and crevices around the rocks. And now it's full. And I want to suggest to you that the the big rocks, the big rock, according to Jesus, is the kingdom of God. And we should put that in the jar first. And then all these other things will fit. Trouble is, if you're like me, oftentimes God's kingdom's not the big rock in my life. Anybody with me on that? I mean, oftentimes the big rock for me is... Is this television ever going to die? How am I going to save up enough money for my kids' driving years? How am I going to save up enough money so that I can retire one day and live in a nursing home like my grandmother does at $2,600 a month? I'm not going to be able to afford that. How, how, how is the government going to pay for me Is there going to be any Social Security? Is there going to be any Medicare? Is this what's going to happen in North and South Korea? What's going to happen in Israel? What's going to happen with Iran and if they get a nuclear bomb? What's going to happen when my family and I go to Costa Rica next year, hopefully with many of you, and I have to walk through that naked person scanner thing? Right? (laughs) I got to lose some weight. And if I refuse, people are going to be touching me. Okay? I mean, those are the big rocks in my life. My guess is you have similar big rocks. Maybe not exactly those rocks, but similar big rocks in your life, right? But very few of us, that big rock is the kingdom of God. For most of us, we could call it the American dream. The kingdom of Steve. My interests, my stuff, what I want. Jesus says here, what you want to eat, what you want to drink, and what you wear. And in America, we can add all sorts of other things to that. Kind of education my kids are getting, kind of car I drive, kind of college my kids go to, my 401k, my retirement plan, my home. I mean, there's a lot of big rocks and we stick them into this jar. I think Jesus beat Stephen Covey to that whole illustration. In fact, maybe Stephen Covey got it from him. If you take a big rock and you stick it in first, all this other stuff will fit. God, who knows you need that. And by the way, here's the really cool thing about God. He also knows the future. Do you? Do do I? You see, we fuss and freak out and worry because we don't know the future. We don't know. Rob Lytle, does anybody remember Rob Lytle, the Bronco player? Number 41. I I loved Rob Lytle when I was a kid. He scored the Broncos' first touchdown in a Super Bowl. He died at the age of 56. Anybody older than 56 here today? Anyone? You don't have to raise your hands. These are rhetorical questions, but if you like to... When I hear about people dying young, I get freaked out a little bit sometimes. Because I'm like, oh, please, Jesus, keep me alive a little longer. And honestly, Jesus says here, who of you by worrying 
can add a single hour to your life. None of us. So Jesus is saying, why worry about those pebbles? Why stick all the pebbles in first? Why put all the water in first? Stick God's kingdom into the container first. Now, I don't know if that's the best way to live or not sometimes. I'm becoming more and more convinced as I do that. When I do put God's kingdom in the container first, it seems to me that every time I've done that, I have rarely had regrets, if ever. When I stick God's kingdom in the container first, my life is a lot simpler. Uh, It's simpler because in order to put God's kingdom in first... I have to make decisions and choices about my spending habits, about my money. In order to put God's kingdom in first, that means I have to to give first to God's kingdom. And for Marnie and I, we've come to conclusions and discussions and decisions regarding our funds and our money and what God has given us. And we have made choices where we're going to give first. And we give first to several organizations and to this church and we give first. That's what we do. And that rock is in there first. Now, what if one day we decided, nah, Stephen Marnie's rock is going to go in there first. Well, number one, we'd have a little more cash flow. <laughs> Honestly. There'd be a little more cash flow. But the weird thing is, when I look at the scriptures and what Jesus says about this stuff is that... If I don't put his rock in first, then what's going to win? My worries. My worries are what's going to win. According to this text, the worries are going to win. Because I'm going to worry about my rock. Steve and Marnie's kingdom rock first. Oh, Lord, help my investments. The funny thing is, when I stick that in there first, my guess is he's going, hey, you're on your own. Because you're building your kingdom. And now you're asking me to help you? Why? That's not what I'm doing here. I'm doing something else. Which I'm happy to have you be a part of. And if you get on board, I'll bless it and make it happen. And Marty and I have experienced this over and over and over and over and over and over. Did I say that enough? Is that clear? Over and over again in our lives where there have been times in our lives that we look back like in seminary, like when kids were first born, like when I was a youth pastor making the big bucks of youth ministry, like when I was, it was a joke, when I was doing all sorts of stuff and crazy things and we look back and we go, Lord, how did we get through that time? Because if our worries had won the day, which even sometimes they did, there were days that were completely lost to worry. But when we look back and we go, my goodness, according to that great old hymn, great is thy faithfulness. God proved himself faithful again. And the weird thing is, I'm 41 on the verge of 42 years old and I still need convincing sometimes. That his faithfulness is great. You see, I've never been a parent of teenagers before. 
and I'm really starting to freak out. I have a lot of theories and I've read some books and I've, I've worked with other people's teenagers before. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. Is that okay to say at church that you're scared about something? (laughs) I'm scared about what to do. I'm a little worried about the whole car and insurance and gas and tires and safety. (laughs) I'm sure Marnie's list is different. Safety, gas, tires, car. (laughs) You see, I'm wrestling through how we're going to handle that. And what we're going to do. And I'm busy scheming and planning and praying and sort of praying, thinking, scheming. And this passage says, Steve, which one of you can save up money for your kid's car by worrying about it? (laughs) Nobody. Put God's kingdom first. And then he'll work on those details for you. Do you want God's blessing in your life? Do you want God's generosity at work in your life? Do you want God to help you have more? Then get on board with what he's doing. Stick God's kingdom in first. Here's a challenge for you. See, Marnie was right. I need to let you know what to do. Are you willing? To stick God's kingdom in first. Are are you willing to take Jesus at his word? And to put God to the test on this one? You see, it's real easy to sit here and be skeptical and cynical, right? Yeah, well, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, if I'm not worrying about me, who's worrying about me? If I'm not trying to save that money, who's saving that money? If I'm not working on this and doing that, who's doing that? It's real easy, right? But what if Jesus is telling us the best way to live? What if putting this rock in first is really the best way to live? What if Jesus is telling us the truth? What if? And what if you and I decided... All right, bring it on, God. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to give first. I'm going to be about your kingdom first. Not my kingdom. Not my worries. Not my stuff. I'm going to be about you first. Well, pastor, are you going to tell us what that looks like? Nah, because I don't know what that looks like for you. I know what it looks like for me, and I trust that the Holy Spirit loves you and is in you and talks to you and wants to lead you and guide you as to what this looks like for you. I got some ideas. You want to hear some of them? Sam, if you put up the next slides of the charities. There are several charities that I give to, Marnie and I give to, and we love these charities. And all these charities, except for one, give 80% of the money we give to them away and get it to what they exist for. Does that make sense? The only one that doesn't is International Justice Mission, and it only gives 79% into what it's doing. So it gets a little lower rating because of that. Compassion International 
Maybe you're familiar with Compassion or maybe you're not, but Compassion International is child sponsorship throughout the world. And Marnie and I sponsor two kids and our family sponsors two kids, Johan and Nisa. And they live on the same island. Nisa lives in Haiti and Johan lives in the Dominican Republic. And we give each month and we get to hear back from these kids regularly about what's going on in their lives. And it's a simple way to help one kid out, one family out. And Compassion gets about 85% of that money we give them each month to our kid, which is pretty amazing. Uh, the next one, Delete Freedom Network. Marnie, and has, this is the group that Marnie and Kathy and Rosemary and Jared have gone to India with, and they've partnered with them, and, and they've worked in India. And uh, they also uh, give more than 80% of the monies you give to them to actual folks in India, to actual causes and the, the things they're trying to do in India. And we sponsor a child named Mahesh through Delete Freedom Network. And so each month we give away some money and Mahesh, who I believe is a Hindu, is going to a Christian school. And he's learning to read and he's getting fed every day and he's hearing about the love of God. And so it's a little covert way to get a little Hindu kid hearing about Jesus. Uh, International Justice Mission. Perhaps you were here several years ago when Gary Haugen, uh, one of the sermons that I put up when I wasn't here. If, if you decide to skip when I'm not here, you are actually missing the best sermons. <laughs> okay? Because <laughs> you're getting to hear pros. I mean, really amazing speakers when I'm not here. And Gary Haugen is the head of International Justice Mission. He used to work at the Department of Justice. He was one of the lead investigators into the Rwandan genocide. And that was so powerful in his life that he decided he had to do something to end problems of human trafficking and slavery in this world. And he's a lawyer. And so he started International Justice Mission. And their mission is to free slaves and release people from sexual exploitation around the world. And uh, IJM ministry, IJM is what they are short for short, and uh, you can look them up on the web, and they do amazing stuff. We haven't actually given to them, but I might tuck my wife into that. And then Living Water International. Uh, Living Water International is the entity that we give to as a part of our Advent Conspiracy. And so if you gave monies last year to Advent Conspiracy, you helped... Uh, by giving money to Living Water International, which their motto is giving a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. And what they do is they drill wells in places that people don't have clean, drinkable water. And to date, they have drilled uh, 7,000 wells in 26 different countries. And so the money we give, part of the money we give for Advent Conspiracy is going to go to Living Water International. And by the way, they give... More than I think they're actually one of the highest rated of these up here. They give about 89% of your money goes to actual drilling of wells with Living Water International. And the last one is World Vision, and that's Richard Stearns, the guy who you've heard and seen if you've been here for Sunday school. Uh, he is the CEO or president of World Vision, and uh, more than 80% of your dollars that you give to World Vision goes to their programs and child rescue stuff and relief efforts throughout the world when crisis hits and things. So um, that's a start. That's a place to start. You can give some of your money 
to these organizations. And I guarantee you, I trust these organizations. If you give money to them, 80 cents of every dollar you give will actually go to what they're saying it's going to. Does that make sense? Sam, if you'd hit the next, or skip the next slide and go to the last one there. That just gives you a chart of cool stuff if you're interested. That's from CharityNavigator.com, and they will tell you about different charities that you might be interested in. The the next slide, Sammy. So this is where our monies for Advent Conspiracy are going. And I hope that I've primed your pump. (laughs) I hope that over the last few weeks, I have made you desire to want to give, to want to do something, to want to, to, to trust that Jesus is telling us the best way to live. You see... Participating in Advent Conspiracy will help you start putting that big rock first. That's not all that's involved in putting God's kingdom first. So if you give to Advent Conspiracy, you're not off the hook. There's still a lot, a lot of more days, a lot more things we can do. But it's a step towards putting that first big rock first, that kingdom of God rock in first. Advent Conspiracy, how we're going to give this year is to these three entities, Living Water International, and that was the video that you saw at the first part of the sermon, and the money that we actually give to Living Water International this year will actually go to repairing and developing wells in Haiti. And perhaps you've been hearing about all the deaths in Haiti from the cholera outbreak and uh, it's just a huge water crisis right now. And so the, the money we give to Living Water International will actually go to develop wells and repair wells in Haiti. Uh, the second thing that we're going to give money to is the Tennyson Center uh, for Children at Cara Christian Home. And uh, December 12th, you'll hear more from a representative there. But they seek to help kids who have grown up in difficult situations and abusive homes. And uh, it's a powerful ministry that they have there on Tennyson Street. And so that is another charity that we'll be giving to. And finally, we want to help local families in need. And that comes at kind of the discretion of the elders and the benevolence fund folks. Um, uh, But as we hear about needs, and if you know of any needs, last year uh, the needs that we gave to were a result of people in our congregation saying, hey, I know of somebody who, who could use some help. And so if you know of people, of entities, anything that needs help in our local community, uh, let us know. And that's where we want to give this Advent season to these three uh, causes, okay? So, is anybody willing to take this challenge on with Jesus? You know, it's in red letters, It's supposed to mean a big deal, right? That's why we make red letter edition Bibles. These are the words of Jesus. God incarnate. God in the flesh on earth talking to us about our stuff. And we as Americans need to hear from God about our stuff. Me as Steve who gets sideways and tangled and strangely depressed about stuff, needs to hear from God about stuff. And I need to hear from God that I shouldn't worry. And I need to hear from God that perhaps, if you'll give it a try, Steve, if you'll give it a try, First Christian Church, if you'll give it a try, if you'll put God's kingdom in first, then here's the shorthand of this. You'll have nothing to worry about. 
How many of you would like that exchange? Put in God's kingdom first and have nothing to worry about. You know, if that's true, that's the best way to live. That is definitely the best way to live. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you so much for these ministries that are seeking to do such good things in this world. And we are excited to be able to partner with Living Water International and to bring clean water to the people in Haiti. We're excited to continue our relationship with the Tennyson Center. It's a gift to kids who have just had horribly difficult lives in a short matter of time. And we also want to be a blessing to our local county and to those nearby us. We want to do all these things because we want to actually test you to see if putting your kingdom first is truly the best way to live, not just for individuals, but for the body of Christ, the church. And so, Lord, we just place this before you and ask you that uh, you would help us to see what you are doing and we would join you in it and that you would bless it. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you a life of no worries as you seek first his kingdom. May this prove to us the best way to live. Amen.